Welcome to the Business Leader Podcast. My name is Serena, and today our guest is the CEO of Babbel, a language learning platform and ecosystem that has sold more than 10 million subscriptions and over 60,000 courses for 14 different languages. Our guest joined the company as CMO in 2015 before taking the role as CEO in 2019 and scaling the business from a startup to a household brand. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to receive the latest episodes. We'd love to hear your feedback. Email questions at businessleader.co.uk to get in touch. And now it's time to welcome Arne Shepka to the podcast. Welcome, Arne. It's lovely to have you on the podcast today. That's great to be here. I just want to start off by finding a little bit about your kind of background, but also your life up until this point. So can you tell us a little bit about what your life was like growing up and how it's led you to the point where you're at now as CEO of Babel? I mean, yeah, yeah sure. It's a, uh, I'm not 15 anymore, so it takes uh, takes a while to go through the, the, the whole story. Um, I, I joined Babel, as you, as you said, in, uh, in 2015 as the CMO back in the days when we were still a, a small company and um, was actually really looking for something that was more, more meaningful and, and more purpose-driven. Uh, immediately, obviously, fell in love with language learning, and um, I've lived in in four different countries, um, in, in eight different countries, and speak four different languages. So I, I know firsthand how how empowering it feels to to speak the local language, and how not so empowering it feels if you don't, um, to to put it lightly. And um, so that that one um, really checked all the boxes very quickly. And um, the the second element that brought me to Babel was, I guess, the the trusting and empowering structure and and, and culture that uh, that has lived here at Babel. Um, the roles are are usually designed to have all the means at your disposal to do what uh, what you're asked to do. Um, so I was I was fortunate to already have you know marketing technology team back in the day. Which is rare. Back in 2015, um, everything that was you know, related to revenue was was uh, under in part of my team. So I, I felt empowered to do the the job I was asked to do, and then everything else is down to down to culture. Just the conversations I had and the the, the people I met were were a bit more in it for the long haul and and believed in the long term potential of the of the business. So let's call it sustainable growth rather than growth at all costs, which resonated with me. And, and being a learning company, we also invest a lot more in our talent pool in um, failing uh, safely and, and elegantly to make sure that we can all grow as a, as a team, which is what, what we ask our, our learners to do every single day. Since you asked for the history before Babel, I would say I went through the the typical business school and uh, consumer goods career. I, I worked at the likes of Nike, P&G, and, and Zalando. I got lucky because each of those companies really was absolutely outstanding in, in certain aspects of what they do. Um, and I, I was able to learn from that. If I, if I start with, with Nike, they're amazing at staying focused on their their core users uh, the the athletes from you know small to big athletes you know saying product innovation focused despite the the company size and it's one of the most inspiring brands and most inspiring companies to 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 work for i, I love my time there um, png is obviously known for inventing you know, brand management um, and and is also a strong leadership development powerhouse um, at least in in the early 2000s that was the the case and I was able to to build and hone my my leadership skills, my my people skills, um, and you know, one of the reasons I I love 
what I do now um, is that I've I've learned to love the the people part of what I what I do every day. That was uh, due to the the schooling at uh, at, at PNG and I think changing jobs every two years was also something that was great. Allowing me to do sales was something that was that was great. So investing into into growth um, was was uh, was something I took from my PNG days. And then at Zalando, I was I was brought in to to build a strong brand, which which we very successfully did more than doubled the team you know took the company public during those days and I'm, I'm very proud of what the what the team has achieved before during and after my time and I had to learn at lightning speed what it means to work in in tech in the in the tech business that was a, a steep learning curve and um, you know, at the time Zalando was un, un, undoubtedly the probably the best performance marketing company in all of Europe at the time and um, I still, to the day, admire how how quickly they're they're able to adapt and and change. Right, even even today, I think they're a mammoth organization. They're still able to to change and pivot quickly when uh, the the times require it. Um, so, just wanted to to explain how um, learning from from each and every career choice was was something that uh, that was very meaningful to me and to be who I am today. And those certainly are some big names. And as you mentioned, you helped. Scale Zalando before you joined Babel, and you do have sort of significant experience really scaling up businesses to becoming well-known brands. What would you say is the secret to effectively scaling a business? Oof, if I if I could put that into one sentence, I'd uh, probably start you know, write a write a book and start a, a consulting business. Uh, and I often get asked what. Um, you know, what type of you know, recommendations would you give to to young founders or young leaders? And one of the elements really is make sure you solve a real user problem and really, really focus on that first. I've seen quite a lot of founders get into or or, or people trying to scale businesses that were great business ideas, but not great you know, um, product or user value ideas. If you if you don't add something valuable to the world, um, I personally at least don't don't care about any disruption or or growth figures in the in the early days because um, I, I doubt the the sustainable nature of the of the business. And once the financial markets turn or business pressure kicks in, I think that's when 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 those models come to, to come to a stall. The second part is staying curious and keeping keep keep on learning. Um, I think it's it's obviously easier in small companies because you you have broader responsibilities. But I think just staying a bit childishly curious about everything around you, trying to understand your users, their motivations, the psychology behind it, uh, their behaviors, um, trying to understand the the business model, the intricacies of it, experimenting around and knowing what you don't know. I think all of those really require a certain level of curiosity to keep on going and to keep keep learning. And, and the, the last point I usually um, stress is Make sure you build a, a diverse team. Um, make sure you empower your team and to learn to let go. I think any business essentially is a as a as a team sport, and you know, no CEO can be the expert at at everything. Um, I certainly am not. So building complementary skill sets and personalities around you is is super important to make sure that the company can can excel and that your your business can can grow and, and scale. And it also feels easier to take risks once you know that you have that structure around you that that organism around you right um it, it feels like less of the weight of the world is on your on your shoulders alone i experienced that firsthand and how, how empowering this can be when i when i first took over as cmo at babel um and then again as ceos both of those times from marcus witte one of our founders and um, i think one of the best in the business at uh, at letting go and empowering others which to me is a, is a superpower 
Yeah, empowering others definitely seems like a very important aspect of being able to scale a business because it requires a lot of trust in the people around you. You kind of have have mentioned your various roles that you've been in throughout the different companies that you've worked for. I'm just curious to know, did you always have it in your head that you wanted to be the CEO of a company? Was that always something that was an ambition of yours? might be surprising for some to hear that no, um, that was not the ambition then. I, I didn't have a master plan and um, I think I would be just as happy being the, the CMO of, of Babel right now. Um, no, and I, I don't have a five-year plan either. Um, I don't, I don't sketch, sketch out my life like that. Fair enough. And, and that is quite refreshing to hear because I think people have this idea of CEOs as, as being people that kind of always wanted to be leaders and I'm, I'm kind of just I'm curious to know whether whether you have you always sort of been a natural leader or is that something that throughout your various experiences you've kind of had to learn and cultivate I'm not sure I subscribe to the idea of a of a natural leader um because that already means you you've gained all the skills and you've you've done it all and you know you stop learning because it's so natural um I think then you become complacent when I started, you know, formally leading teams um, at, at PNG, I, I noticed two things. One, you take a lot of things for granted that happen behind the scenes when it when it comes to to leading larger organizations, um, and it, it, you know, it's not easy. It takes a lot of work. It takes effort, and you need to you need to you need to learn your way, and you need to learn how to adapt it to to the team's needs. So I really had to make a point not to deselect it, to deprioritize it, um, but to, to make it a core part. And that it was great to be part of an organization that actually says, you know, 50, 60% of your time needs to be spent on making your team a better team. And then the other 40% is your your business. That was refreshing and it, it gave um, everyone there the time to really uh, make sure you you, you build that skill set because yeah, taking it for granted or thinking you're a natural leader, I think means you're not going to be leading. You're going to be telling people what to do, not not leading. I think the, the the second realization is that your day has 24 hours. Um, your week has seven seven days. So generally, we're you know, we're we're always the biggest bottleneck if we don't learn to to let go and empower others. Um, so natural leader or not, you need to learn that the the core you know, prerequisite is um, is making sure that the the organism around you, which is the organization, actually works and and excels, not you as a person um, learn and, and excel. I've actually seen that some of the more introvert and humble characters out there who are not considered natural leaders um, actually find it easier to be an empowering leader um, rather than the typical, you know, alpha male brash uh, leadership that we we might have in the back of our heads from you know the military days. So I think that's what it really comes uh, comes down to. So that you, you actually turn into a leader, but not into a, uh, the best senior contributor in your in your organization. And if I if I look at where I spend my time, I actually work on on what I call the the multipliers. Um, so focusing on bringing in the right talent, um, finding them the right roles, making sure that your talent matches the the role that you that your talent is you know, good enough so you can fulfill the role, but you know um, that the role is stretched enough so that you keep on learning. Providing the the right level of transparency and clarity so that that great talent can make their own own decisions, and that that is a that is a balancing act, right? You don't want to be too tight so that becomes a, a corset um, and then, then you know telling them what to do you also don't want to leave too much space because then the overall organization will just lack clarity and, um, and, and direction 
trusting that talent to do an amazing job and then really getting out of their way. And I, and, and I really mean getting out of their way in a, in a good way. You don't want to be constantly on everyone's back and, uh, you know, sharing your opinion, especially as a, as a CEO and ultimately then, um, you know, coaching them to make sure that they're prepared for whatever comes up next. If I use the, the sports uh, analogy again, um, it's really the, the team manager and coach between matches, and then the 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 biggest fan um, of uh, of every single team member when they're on the on the pitch or on the on the field, right? Um, because you, as a leader, simply can't be on the on the field the whole time. And it's definitely really important to kind of tread that line carefully. But I just want to come back to something that you said earlier about the role of a CEO really being to make your team better. What can our listeners who are business leaders and CEOs and managers do to really make their team work to the best of their ability and make their team as best as they can be? I think I, I covered some of that just, just now and really making sure that you find the, the right talent for the right roles. Um, so obsessing over the talent pool, the, the structure and, the, and the, the role definitions, I think, is a, is a, is a key and, and really spending quality time on, on you know, planning that out. Um, it's a bit like turning a, a, a very emotional and, and people topic into a, a chess game or a Tetris game. So I think that's, that's definitely important. You want to make sure that you, you know, keep the diversity, um, keep the complementariness of the, of the organism around you, um, not just you yourself, but uh, also your teams. And I, uh, if I have one, you know, self-criticism, I, I probably build two diverse teams, not, uh, you know, two, two, two similarish teams. So often are, I'm, I'm faced with, uh, with a bit more friction than, um, than might be comfortable for, for some, but I think that's the, the type of, you know, debate culture, the type of uh, exchange, and and, uh, and and also, you know, I think healthy disagreement and healthy healthy conflict that you that you want, um, especially when it comes to strategy, especially when it comes to tough business decisions, um, so that um, you know you can you can then all rally around. Okay, this is what we're 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 gonna do. Um, so I think building that that complementariness and, and diversity is key. And again, accepting that facing your your own biases and, and accepting that you're not you're not perfect and you're not gonna get every every answer right and every decision right, I think is is key. Um, so I, that at least works for me. I know there's other ways of uh, of leading that also also work. Um, but I think if you're if you're looking for an empowered leadership style, then making sure you you don't think you have all the answers is a is a super important um, prerequisite because otherwise it, it, you won't you won't empower. That you will, you'll find sneaky ways to influence the organization to do what you want it to do, um, which is not the, the whole point here. I just want to pick up on something you said there about the diversity that you've created. Even though it's obviously a very positive thing, it's actually led to a little bit of conflict, which can be a good thing and can lead to sort of better outcomes, but then also can potentially have negative consequences if there is too much conflict. How, as a CEO, do you kind of navigate cultivating healthy conflict, but not letting it go too far? Yeah, and I, um, I think you you understood correctly that uh, it's it's not that you know, diversity is anything bad. It's it's about making sure that we we leverage the positiveness of differences, the the added perspective, and ultimately lead to to better decisions and, and better teams. 
I think it actually comes down to what what is called inner work in uh, modern leadership philosophy. Um, it really starts with us facing facing ourselves, all the you know upsides and downsides of our own own personality, of our beliefs, of our of our biases. Because only then can we take the you know personal offense out of the out of the debate um, and, and and still bring in ourselves into the into the into the conflict so so that it becomes a constructive conflict and no one you know walks away with personally hurt feelings but had the opportunity to 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 bring their their full self into the um, into the conversation and yeah it's it's easier if everyone is sameish right if we're all same same then it's a lot easier it feels really constructive productive and uh, and fast you're not going to take the best decisions and you're not going to build the best team around you and um, which is the the downside and you're not going to notice that until it's too late so i think noticing early enough that diversity is not a check in the box it's not about you know a quota or a statistic here or there but it's really about building teams that can complement each other and, and make themselves better that can really work and it is inner work it's uh, it's it's teamwork getting to know each other spending time together i found it a lot harder during the pandemic and with remote only to to build those types of teams and to to actually make sure that we leverage uh, the the differences in a, in a in a good way for the for the business and for our learners at the same time it also helps to take out some of the the first impressions the uh, the the buckets that we throw people into in the in the first instance just by looking at them i think it alleviates some of that pressure but it doesn't make it easier because you just don't have that same personal connection and definitely the pandemic was a time that impacted a lot of different businesses, both internally, but also the way that they operated in the world and the markets that they existed in. And I know that Babel is a company that benefited from the pandemic and, and kind of everyone staying at home and using technology a lot more. Would you explain how you utilized that, I guess, opportunity? to the best of your ability whilst it was happening the pandemic definitely was a was a major boost to anyone working in, in self-improvement or in, in education especially um, online as for for language learning our our numbers are actually showing that the the trend is holding up so we saw a shift to online before the pandemic we saw a, a major boost during the pandemic um, and then are seeing a sustained boost um, post pandemic I mean, did anyone predict that? Was anyone ready for it? I don't think anyone had that that crystal ball, or very few people. Uh, um, we 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 actually thought that ooh, travel is not gonna gonna happen in the next year. Our business might suffer from that. We thought, hmm, why would people you know learn languages when they're separated in in isolation? Um, but that quickly turned out to be uh, to to be wrong. I can draw a, a very nice. You know, uh, uh, graph market by market during the very first wave of lockdowns. We all took two days to get used to lockdown reality and, and sort our lives. And then on the third day, started making life decisions like uh, trying to learn a new language. And we saw a, a boost in learning activity from our existing subscribers of 2x during that, that first lockdown and something like a 3x in terms of new subscriber revenue um, in, the, in the early months of the, the pandemic. So definitely a big boost it didn't stay at that level over time um and as i said before we're now seeing a stronger stronger uplift over over time i think generally where we we're, we're seeing that everyone now knows that digital learning can work we we've all 
homeschool their children. We've you know been on 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 video calls for for work or even for private reasons. Um, I think our our business model or our, our proposition needs less explaining um, these days. And then the second hypothesis I have, and this is really from user feedback that we we get on a daily basis, is that um, there's a, a newfound appreciation for deeper social interaction so so you know deeper conversations um, after we've we've all been locked up and, and isolated for for a while and you know that means that there are more learners who actually want to speak in real life and therefore you know come to Babel, which is the 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 only app that that truly helps you to to get speaking and to have those deeper deeper conversations and i think that that brings me to the you know, part of your your question which is around how do we prepare ourselves for it i think Having a product proposition that truly solves a a learner need, um, making sure that you obsess over that every single day, um, was something that set us up for success. Because the the learners who actually wanted to have a deeper conversation now all flock to to Babel and, and don't go don't go elsewhere. Seeing the early signs was something that uh, that helped us. Um, we have you know Chinese team members who couldn't return from New Year's um, uh, break. Um, we we have a large you know, Italian market and a lot of Italian learners, and we use that market to come up with our own let's call it playbook for all the other markets during during lockdown. So changing our marketing messaging, changing the the channel mix, changing the the content in the in the in the app, and making sure that we don't talk about the commute to work and the bus stop and, and those things, and then you know, busy restaurants. So we 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 could use one market as a testing ground for for all the others, um, and we we also then did uh, trial um, runs with the with the team. So we we had a whole remote week. Um, we had a couple of remote days, which we used to just prepare for the lockdown. And we so we we felt so so prepared by the time um, lockdown hit, and we just stayed flexible, flexible and agile, and and learned every single. They like like all of us about um, what what this uh, this virus actually is, and kept on experimenting with with new ways of making the reality work for for us. And then I think lastly had the the guts to invest into into growth in during the the pandemic, both team growth and obviously then then user growth, which um, yeah, is absolutely paying off now. For many businesses, the pandemic was one of their biggest challenges that they faced. But for Babel, you know that was something that you guys really allowed yourself to to grow during that time but what would you say has been your biggest challenge either kind of on a personal professional level or even just you know linking to Babel and and the challenges that you've faced so far I don't want to downplay the 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 pandemic um it, it was hard also for uh, also for Babel despite the fact that we're a digital business and you know we don't have logistics. We don't have production uh, sites. We we don't have you know shops. Um, so there's no physical goods moving from from left to right. Um, so obviously a lot a lot easier to to move online and to to get pandemic ready um, than a lot of other business. We were we were fortunate that way. Um, but we also went through the the same phases that everyone goes through, right? The Oh my God! How is this all virtual going to work all of a sudden? And we we focused hard on you know equipment, tooling, software, um, all the you know, what do we do with our office space um, type type uh, questions in the in the early beginning. I was very focused on you know just team health, um, you know not having massive infections, and and also the young parents group. 
which was a, a big worry early on, then went into a phase where, where we realized, oh, this is actually quite productive and working well. And everyone was excited. And there was this rosy, red-eyed um, you know, phase of uh, you know, working from home and, and loving it. And you know, that slowly but surely started showing signs of, hmm, when am I going to get out of my flat again and be able to meet people? Um, and we, we started seeing, you know, focusing more on mental health. Uh, we started focusing more on singles who had recently moved to, to Berlin or to, to New York City and were actually feeling a bit, uh, a bit lonely, right? And, and started to, to provide more support and, and care for, for that part of our, our organization. Um, so just to describe, it's not like uh, you know that was that was easy for us because it didn't have a have a massive hit um, on the business, and then we obviously went through the investment choices and, and putting the 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 accelerator to the to the floor when it when it comes to investing into into growth, which was a which was a risky risky decision at the time. When it comes to to challenges, one of the things that the the pandemic did to to me personally and to to my my job is that I was actually the chief crisis management or pandemic management officer rather than the the, the CEO. So it, it definitely changed my job and what I did with my my time, how I interpreted my role. And that was a, I think, a, a reactive uh, thing. So I, di I didn't choose that. We went through an, an IPO process in 2021. So after the first wave, the the pandemic was was done, which was another change to the to the role and a change of focus and a different interpretation of what what a CEO role can be. And those those two, let's call it, you know, time bound um, effects actually led me to realize, oh, I can I can choose how to interpret my role. I can choose to to set different spotlights um, where. I want to focus um, you know, on, on developing the organization further, um, where I want to take the, 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 the organization, the product, the business next. So I'm, I'm much more choiceful now where, where I spend my time and, and where I, I do most of my, my thinking and where I focus my hiring, etc., and choose to interpret my role differently um, whenever that's, that's needed. So I've, I've actually learned to become more flexible about what it means to be a CEO. And the only reason I can do that is, again, bringing us back to the empowerment is because I can I can let go and, and trust the parts that I, I defocus to, to the team. That's definitely very interesting to kind of hear your perspective about the CEO role for you as being very malleable and being able to kind of morph and sort of pick which area of the business you want to focus on at that given time. Is that really important to you or do you think that's something that as a CEO is essential to being able to maybe understand the business as best as you can. I mean, I'm uh, three years in, so a bit early for me to uh, be the wise, uh, wise guy and, uh, and, and, and know it all. But I, I think it's just one more you know, opportunity and one more tool to, to use as a, as a, as a CEO. And I think the one thing that doesn't change is you feel responsible for everything that happens. Um, and ultimately you are responsible for everything that happens. That's the one thing that doesn't change, but it's, it's actually refreshing and revealing to, to, to see what happens when you don't keep tabs on, uh, on everything. And, uh, when you're not, not involved, um, it's, it's actually great to see which parts are working really well and, and what's developing beyond your wildest dreams and uh, where your attention actually is, is helpful. Um, and it, it's both 
you know, it gives you more focus. Um, it makes sure that you don't feel sucked into into everything, and it gives you the opportunity to steer it more proactively. Um, and that's that's really what I'm what I'm enjoying right now is this ability to steer it proactively and to make investments into into parts of the strategic journey um, where where I think they're needed. I just want to come back to something that you said earlier about how user experience is changing, especially with education, but also in the way that users are using and, and interacting with technology. I mean, the pandemic had an effect on the way that we use technology, but also things like social media and as, as a society needing to kind of get things a lot faster and having shorter attention spans as well. So I'm just wondering and curious about how you have noticed users changing over time and what you think the user experience might be in the future. The backdrop I need to give here is language language learning is generally not something that's transactional right so language learning is a is a process um, everyone knows it's you know it's not an overnight affair it takes time it takes effort um, it means you're going to make mistakes it means you're going to make a fool of yourself at some point and companies like like babel um we've we've actually made it a lot more accessible approachable easier safer also um through through technology um so the the learning process is more more successful these days but it's still not easy so I think realizing that it's it's not a you know um, a retail business where you exchange goods and money exchanges hands and then done. That's a simpler uh, you know, product proposition um, at a at an interactional level. Um, whereas language learning is not a you know it's not not a one day one day thing or a one hour or one minute minute thing. It's uh, it's definitely a longer longer term process. So for us, we we actually need to understand way more about what it takes um, to for, for you to actually want to learn a language um, what it takes for you to to actually you know, what, what your motivation is um, what your proficiency level is what you're good at um, how you learn I mean all those things we, we we have to try and understand early early on so we can we can best help our learners we also need to make sure that our learners um, stick with it because um, the one thing that's that's certain is that uh, I call it life happens. Um, so we, you know, we change jobs, we move cities, we change partners, we go on on longer breaks. We're you know sick or whatever happens. We have kids, um, and all of a sudden we're, we we stop we stop learning, um, and it's. Not a not a bad thing. It happens to everyone, um, but it means that you're going to stop uh, stop learning and you're going to have to restart later. Um, so we need to understand those implications, and we need to make sure that we we we're, we're close when you when you want to come back. And technology has made that easier. I think the the next level level challenge and. I say this in the year 2022 when I personally think our users and and you know society at large doesn't differentiate between tech and traditional businesses doesn't differentiate between online and offline anymore. The next uh, next endeavor is is really bringing together what happens inside of our app um, and. Um, what happens outside in in, in real life? Um, making sure that you you actually apply what you've uh, what you've learned, um, that we give you that that confidence to use what you've learned, um, and, and make sure that that happens. And we just launched a um, live live tutoring business called Babel Live, which is a you know, virtual uh, classroom setting with you know, to five students um, and a, and a, a teacher um, who who then gives you that more spontaneous um, you know, producing language um, type uh, type learning. Learning experience that you, um, you you don't get in a in, in the safe space that the that the app provides, and really bringing that together is the key that then gets you more confidence to take it outside and um, and, and use it in real life. 
we also make sure that our content, which is designed by by linguistics, um, didactics, and, and, and neuro- neurological um, experts, is um, you know as as best suited to get you learning in the in the little time that you can invest. So I think one of the things that technology has done well is cutting the learning into um, more bite-sized chunks. So you can you can totally learn a language investing 15, 20 minutes a day. That is no longer an impossibility. Um, that was impossible in the days where you had to drive for half an hour to get to your teacher in your your class, and then you know the half hour back, and then no one was on your you know, was reminding you of your homework, and you didn't do anything, and you were on a break. Um, you you did only went to every other class, and the teacher only saw you every every other week. Um, I think those those times have passed, and now it's uh, really time to to bring the the offline and online bit together, and and that's what we're we're currently obsessing over. I do just want to touch on something that I've heard you speak about, which is um, that you've experimented with holacracy and self-management in Babel. And I just want to find out a bit about why you find this an interesting way to organize the business and what was your own experience of that? I think it, it actually came natural to to me and to 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 the team because you know Babel is a very you know empowered um, and empowerment um, driven culture and, and driven leadership philosophy. So the step from empowering the teams and you know getting out of their way to the team self managing is actually not that far. Um, so it felt it felt quite natural, and um, I you know had read the the typical books that everyone reads, and one one of my teams said, hey. Arno, we don't think we need a we need a new leader. Um, I'll report to you. That's not a great idea. Um, but how about we 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 try out whether self management works? Um, and that's how we we got started. We we brought in a, a consultant who had built his own own company based on holacracy principles, and then stitched together a Babel version of uh, all the self management and holacracy principles that you can you can find out. And um, it was really interesting to see how. The team went through through different different phases, um, learning, um, you know, really trying to figure out which tools to use and how to get them to work. Um, learning what it means to take responsibility for the group, not just for your yourself and your part of the business. Learning how to work through conflict and disagreement in the group. Um, learning that voting is always the the end of everything because uh, it means you can't uh, you know come to a, a group solution. Learning that uh, that there's you know no excuse anymore because you can't delegate problems upwards anymore, and that was super interesting to see. And I think the first three four months were um, uh, absolutely excited, and this is going to work, and this is going to be great, and everyone putting a lot of time into it. And there was a, a, a tipping point when I think the 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 let's call it. Uh, you know, imperfection of inner work, um, to get back to the word I used before, um, came into play when there were interpersonal conflicts, when there were, you know, career considerations for, for single individuals coming into, into play. And there was less willingness to actually truly act and help each other out as a, as a, as a team. And, um, you know, it, it actually unraveled pretty quickly after that. And, and we, we ended up with the team coming back and saying, no, we actually want a new leader, Arna. please, uh, please hire someone um this is not working for us and we 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 need that leadership to learn we need that leadership to to really feel like we're we're one team and to to not be you know burdened with this this responsibility and i I think it it actually shows again how how important it is to to make sure that anyone who takes on the pure forms of holacracy or self-management makes sure that the maturity of every single individual and the maturity of the team as a team is really high 
I think the stakes, the the level needs to be pretty high for that to to succeed. And um, and then the second second learning I had is the motivations to go into self management were very different, and make sure that the motivations are aligned as well. Um, so some of them had career motivations. I want to report to the CMO or CEO. Great, that's not a great motivation to go into self management. Um, others just wanted to try it out and, and were excited by it. Then again, others um, you know, just didn't didn't think the the last few leaders were great. Um, so um, there were were different reasons for going on this on this journey, and um, that doesn't help when you're actually trying to be on the same journey together as a group. So I think personal maturity and, and team maturity. And then the the actual motivations to to do it are are key. We've actually seen a, a couple of the individuals who went through that um, experiment absolutely grow in Excel. Um, they're superstars in the organization now, and we've seen others actually say, "This is not for me. I don't I don't want this. Um, I, I need I need the safety of not having that responsibility. I need someone to to teach me um, so I can learn. Um, I want I want to be be held by the hand a bit more, which is also fair. And they they went on and, and looked for other companies, which is which is also good, and they're they're very happy. So, so even though you did it for a period of time and then and then kind of reverted back to kind of more of a hierarchical uh, format, there are still things that you learned from doing that that you still have implemented within the business. Yeah, absolutely. We 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 use some of the tools that we we learned during the the times we shared that with the with the whole organization. We anyways are empowerment oriented. We're an innovation driven business, so we need to you know move move quickly, fail quickly, learn quickly, and, and iterate quickly. Um, so we 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 are using a lot of the the philosophies that uh, that lead to to self management and to to holacracy. Um, we don't take it to the full full scale and to to, to the pure form. I think that's um, so. We're we're driving empowerment, uh, not uh, not full self management now. That's amazing and and really interesting to hear your experience with that. Sadly, we are at the end of the podcast now, but we finish every podcast with a segment called Answer the Internet, and this is where we scour the internet for the questions that the public needs the answers to. And this question is from Reddit, and it's from a user called Monkey Trumpets, and they ask. How do people become CEOs? That's a that's a that's a good question. Um, I, I think I've uh, answered the. Uh, I, I had no plan to become CEO um, in part before, so um, I wouldn't know. Um, for, formally, the um, board of directors uh, appoints the the CEO, um, at least in, uh, in in Germany based companies. Um, so that's the the formal answer to the question. Yeah, your experience of that is is quite a unique one, but that is definitely a good answer. And I'm sure monkey trumpets will uh, find that uh, very useful. The next question, and we do ask this to all of our guests on the show, and that is what makes a great business leader? Um, there's there's a, a ton of ton of books about that that can do a way better job than 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 I can. Um, I always think when you actually leave companies and your teams are still very successful um, and are excelling, when you when you leave companies and you have um, you know, people that who who still want to work with you and who who stay in touch with you and who who you know, want to want to join your new company, then you've you've done something right. Um, so it's about building building something sustainable rather than being successful in the in the moment. Mm-hmm.